You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Tonight we're excited to have Mr. Boggs come speak for us. If you don't know Tim Boggs, he is our administrator here at Front Range Baptist Academy. And uh, now he is the longest tenured pastoral staff team member. He's the old guy now. Now, we're, I think we're close to the same age, but we call him the old guy now. So he's been here the longest on our pastoral team. And, uh, and this is a, a very busy time for, for, uh, for him and his wife getting ready for the school year to get kicked off here. And so, uh, but we're looking forward to having him speak tonight. And uh, appreciate Mr. Boggs, all that he does for our school. A lot of what he does goes unseen, especially in the church, uh, because he's working primarily in the school. Uh, but he does so much around here. And uh, uh, I was uh, so excited to get to come to Colorado a few years ago, and uh, uh, through all of that process, I'd met Mr. Boggs a few times, uh, but now, having been able to work together, it's uh, so good to have him as a, not just a, a co-worker, but as a good friend, and so uh, we're so glad to have him speak tonight, Mr. Boggs. I do appreciate that, Pastor Bartlett, and uh, I do thank Pastor Miller for inviting me to speak to you tonight, here on Wednesday night. I know it's got a lot of folks out. We have, of course, Pastor Miller is speaking at camp once again this week, and of course, a lot of our teenagers are uh, gone as well. So I tell you, I think Pastor Bartlett mentioned this last week uh, when uh, Pastor Miller was speaking at the Wilds camp. That uh, dedicated group here, here when pastor, even more dedicated, we have not only the pastor gone, we get all the teens gone and a lot of folks. Matter of fact, uh, at my house, it is very quiet this week. <laughs> if you can imagine, uh, I have uh, all of my older kids are at camp this week. It's just me and Tucker at home. And so I got my youngest son. And so we're just making it, you know, getting by. We do have a little dog that uh, we had gotten a couple months ago, and so he, we're entertaining him as well, but uh, it's been very quiet uh, this past week. It's good to be here. Well, the message I have for you, the Lord's laid on my heart, is very dear to me. Uh, being in Christian education for, you know, Brent mentioned a little bit of it. I was trying to figure out how long I have been in Christian education. It is hard to believe that I have been and Christian education for 24 years. And, uh, you know, I thank the Lord for allowing me to be in ministry. I feel like I'm too young to say that. I, I remember I was the young guy who was always, uh, you know, at the uh, ministry now, uh, even as Brent mentions, I've uh, been here uh, now just about uh, nine going on 10 years. So uh, Lord's been very good. We love Front Range Baptist Church and Academy, the ministry here. The message I have is very dear. We'll be speaking on the role of the church in Christian education. The role of the church in Christian education. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to look there in just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, as you're turning there, uh, you may have heard, you know, I saw it recently in the news here in the area about this guy who had to went to the emergency room because of a condition that he was going through. Um, he was getting, he felt like he was getting shorter. And, you know, that doesn't normally happen. So he goes in the emergency room, he gets in there, and he's, 
you know, he's a little nervous. He, he, he noticed that he's shorter than he was, you know, recently. It's never happened to him before. So he goes up to the receptionist. He goes, uh, I need to see the doctor. And, you know, I, I'm getting shorter. I, something's going on here. I, can, can you get me to see the doctor? And the receptionist says, oh, we got a lot of people here. You're going to have to sit down and wait. Wait your turn. Says, okay. So he sits down. He waits his turn. He's sitting there waiting. 30 minutes go by. He feels he's getting shorter while he's waiting in the office. So he gets a little nervous. He goes up, acts up to the reception. He goes, hey, I need to see the doctor. I need to see the doctor. And he was getting a little more, you know, he, you know, he's getting like, I need to see the doctor. I need to see it right now. I'm, I'm getting shorter. I need to get in there right now. It's happening. He was over here. And they said, no, sorry, sir. You're going to need, you're going to have to wait your turn. We've got a lot of people here. You need to go sit down and, be, and, be, and uh, wait your turn. We'll get you when we can. Goes back to his seat. And over an hour now goes by. He's been waiting an hour and a half in the waiting room. Okay, he's about had enough. He gets up there. He's now irate. He goes, he's getting shorter. So he goes back up to the receptionist and he goes, I need to see the doctor and you're going to get me back there right now. I am getting shorter as, we're, as I'm in here and I have got to figure out what's going on. I need to get back there. And the receptionist looked at him and said, sir, to go sit back down there and be a little patient. <laughs> Hopefully you get that one. That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Maybe you'll get it later. Um, my father-in-law, he uh, told me that years ago. That's one of my top uh, jokes. I try to share it when I can. That's, that's how bad my sense of humor is. I kind of love, <laughs> love those kind of jokes. But anyway, uh, and my, speaking of my father-in-law, my father, one of the things I remember, we're going to speak, be speaking on Christian education. One of the things I'll never forget, when I asked Joy to meet my wife, you know, and he says all the things that fathers need to tell their future son-in-law, and he did say yes, uh, which I'm very thankful. Uh, one of the things that he mentioned to me, I was just a young guy, and he mentioned to me the importance of Christian education. Not only for his family, his, his girls, he had three girls, and they all they went through uh, homeschool and Christian school. And he said, Tim, um, you know, we value Christian education for my kids, and I would like that for my grandchildren as well. And he really um, instilled that. Well, being in ministry, uh, someone didn't have, my kids really don't have a choice. They're going to be in uh, Christian, educa- Christian school, but... Uh, uh, we'll be speaking on that subject of the role of the church in Christian education. It's a very important uh, uh, topic. You know, as uh, we're approaching this next school year here at Front Range Baptist Academy, uh, this, the, minist- the school ministry of the church, it has, uh, this will be the 38th year of Front Range Baptist Academy. We've just completed 37 years. So we're excited about going into 38 years of how we can invest in the lives of these students, and we look forward to that. Uh, one of the things I, I, I want to mention here, as far as introduction, and I've heard this said before um, by others, but it's been said that Christian education doesn't cost. You know, a lot of times we say, yeah, what does it cost? We need to understand that Christian education doesn't simply cost, it pays. And for those of you that are investing in Christian education, whether uh, homeschool or whether in a Christian school, you understand that, that it pays uh, over time. And uh, that's one of the things that we'll, we'll see here. 
Now, have you ever, a couple questions here as we start off. Have you ever considered how many days a child is in school by the time they finish their 12th grade? Have you ever wondered that? I never really have, but I kind of looked it up. Uh, how long that they're actually in school? Well, if you figure it out from kindergarten through 12th grade, and you have to look to see how many days are required. So according to the National Center of Education Statistics, uh, each state has their certain allotted days that you have to be in school. Uh, I remember that was one of the first things I looked up when I moved here to Colorado. Um, you know, I was in Georgia. I was administrator there for 10 years, and we had to have 180 days. We were accredited school. If you were in 180 days, then, you know, that's a problem. Well, I came here, and I noticed the days were a little less. I mean, I kind of could figure it out pretty quick. And uh, this might surprise you how many days Colorado uh, it is the lowest in the whole country. Even Alaska required 180 days. Uh, here in Colorado, the requirement is 160, 160 days. Now, we're beyond that, but we're not, we haven't quite hit 180 uh, days. I think our parents appreciate the time off during the summer and when we uh, get out. But um, if you figure out on average, I think most states are 180. There's a few that are off. I mean, even Alaska has 180 um, I think the only one closer to Colorado is Minnesota. They're 165. But um, if you figure out on average 170 days of school over 12 grades plus kindergarten, that amounts up to 2,210 days. Now, that may seem like a lot. 2,210 days. When you stop and think about it, that can go by pretty quick. I remember uh, Pastor Bartlett, he was speaking here, this was probably a couple months ago when Pastor was out, and he mentioned, you know, when he thinks of his children, he, he remembers them in season, how, you know, basketball season or volleyball season or whatever the season, how many seasons does he have left with his kids? And, uh, you know, I often think about that, and I've been, even for me, I remember when my kids were really young. You, you ever get those... Uh, those pictures on your phone get sent to you and it shows them when they're really young. It's like, oh man, I remember when Tucker was tiny and Karis and Kelsey and Kayla, you know, our five. And uh, time is just going by. And I kind of look at it also in, you know, maybe summers or seasons, how you want to look at it. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking of my oldest daughter. Who would have thought that I have a daughter that's in college and... This is the first summer she hasn't been home with us. She's working at ministry, at a camp ministry this summer. And, uh, you know, she called us uh, a couple weeks ago and was just so excited. She uh, led, during that week, she led six of her campers to the Lord. And she was just so excited for that. Uh, But it's hard to believe that I just probably have her for a few more summers and, you know, she might be gone and uh, one thing we need to realize, our kids are only with us, whether our, our kids or our grandkids or whatever stage of life that we're at, at this point, they're only with us for a short time. Uh, well, what we will learn, what a child will learn, so you have 2,210 2, days. Uh, what will a child learn in those amount of days? Well, a child will learn biology, grammar, algebra, history, art. Physical education, sports, social skills, geography, and other useful things. 
But underlying whatever education your child receives, we need to understand that there's a worldview. A worldview is a lens through which children will look at the world. It addresses, listen to this, it addresses origin, morality, meaning, and destiny, among other areas. The worldview and the education they absorb either directly or subtly, become the foundation for the rest of their life. And this worldview, by its nature, is religious. Now I'm going to mention some other things here in just a moment. Um, Of course, we're talking here about the role of the church in Christian education. And we're going to be mentioning the uh, uh, value of Christian education and the importance of that. Obviously, that's in Christian schools, homeschool. Now, I'll just mention this just ahead of time. We may have folks here that send their children to public school, and uh, um, that's, uh, that's not a problem. I'm obviously going to be focusing on the value of Christian education. Matter of fact, my mother, um, she taught in the public school for years. She was a great influence and helped two kids in the public school, and... Uh, obviously, there's some things that you have to be aware of if you're going to send your children to a public school and need to address them and, and help them if they go there. Um, my mother, uh, she taught there, even retired from there. Um, she did send us to a Christian school, um, but she taught there, retired. Matter of fact, she's subbing even right now. And I kind of even ask her, I hear all these things that are happening in the public school, you know, all these things about, you know, uh, gender identity and, you know, all these, these things that are taught um, or condoned, whether homosexual lifestyle, transgender, all those kind of things. And I asked her, are you seeing these things when you go and sub? She goes, Tim, she goes, Tim yes, I'm, I'm actually, as a sub, I see some of these things that are in there. Uh, but she tries to be a help uh, when she's obviously, you know, there. And uh, but those things you have to be aware of. Uh, as well. Um, Doug Wilson, he's a Christian author and educator. He, in writing one of his books, Recovering the Lost Tools of Learning, here's what he has to say. Listen to this. Education is a completely religious endeavor. You might think, well, I didn't think it was religious. Listen to what he says. It is impossible to impart knowledge to students without building on religious presuppositions. Education is built on the foundation of the instructor's worldview. You catch that? It's built on that instructor's worldview and the worldview of those who develop the curriculum. Let me just stop there real quick. That's why it's very important that the people that are instructing your child, grandchild, or those you have influence over, uh, their worldview, what they're teaching. And then it goes on to say the curriculum is very important. Uh, That's why here at Front Range Baptist Academy, we, unapologetically, we use Christian curriculum in every subject. Uh, There are some Christian schools that they might not use it in certain subjects. We use it in every single subject. It's uh, very important. He goes on to say, it is a myth that education can be non-religious. That is, that education can go on in a vacuum that deliberately excludes the basic questions about life. 
It is not possible to separate religious values from education. This is because all the fundamental questions of education require religious answers. As they're being taught, the things that they're taught will require religious answers. Uh, Wilson's point is clear. Regardless of where a child goes to school, it will be religious. It will address fundamental concerns in life, such as whether there's a God, what he communicates to people, and how we should treat others. Education can't help being religious because that is its nature. And I think Wilson there got it right when he said that. But God's desire for young people is that they would cultivate a heart for him and develop the mind of Christ. And we see that. Let's take a look at the... We turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. And here we see... What is directed to the parents? What is directed to the people of God? And so this is where we see the mandate for Christian education for the parents. For the parents. Uh, It's not directed to the government. It's not directed to anybody else. Parents make the choice for their, and these are instructions that God gives. Let's read it. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, And these words which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. We see a mandate here to teach the children the word of God. Very important. That's why, again, our our title here is about the church and its role in Christian education. The local church plays a tremendous role in the development as pastors and teachers team with parents to encourage young hearts for God and to provide biblical teaching for the home. And so that's what the church will do. They will team up with the pastors and with the teachers that we have here. We're going to team up with the the parents and help them in educating their children. Uh, for Christ. And uh, that's part of the, the, the Christian school is a ministry of the church. And they're going to come alongside and help out and team up and help out parents in educating their children. And again, remember, we're going to mention this a little later. The key role for the education of children is the parents. It's not the government. It's not the school. You know, I've heard, uh, you know, some parents well, I sent my kid to the Christian school for all these years, and they came out, and look, they got into this. Blame it on the school. Well, if we want to be a team, we all got to be on the same page. And that's why it's important that the things that, that they're going to be taught in the church, the things they're going to be taught at the school, coincide with what is being done in the home. It's hard when, we're, when the school, when the Christian school and the church is trying to teach, teach the kids to do right and... Then at home, they can do what they want. They live like the world. They watch what they want. They do this. And, and we wonder why they went astray. It's where we need to team up. That's why we send our kids to these camps. You know, they go to this, this teen camp where they're going to get instruction. They don't have their phones to, to uh, uh, distract them 
from the Word of God. And we need to encourage them when they come back with their decisions of wanting to do right to help them. And we need to team up together. Um, Our goal as Christian parents should be to provide Christian education to our children. If we must use public schools, we should actively combat the negative worldview and social influences that the public school indoctrination will inflict upon our kids. And so if you need to, uh, if you do need to send your kids to public school or your grandkids are going there, do what you can to combat that. Um, I remember when I was young, now my, my wife, I mentioned earlier, she went, she was homeschooled and she went to a Christian school, I think her junior high and high school years. Uh, for me, my, my dad was in the military. We moved around quite a bit. Uh, born here in Cheyenne at the military base. Uh, then by the time I got to kindergarten, I was in England for five years. And so I was in England for five years from kindergarten through, I believe, fourth grade. And uh, over there, um, you know, they didn't have any Christian schools. Both my parents were working. They sent me, actually, they sent me to the English public school. So I was, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. My, my mom and well, my mom and dad reminded me that I would come back from school with an English accent. And, you know, I remember having custard and all these different things at the, you know, fish and chips and all these things that the British uh, eat. And uh, I still remember that fondly when in elementary grades. Uh, then my dad got stationed to Shaw Air Force Base in Sumter, South Carolina. And what a culture shock. Went from England to South Carolina. I could not even understand most of the kids in my class with the southern drawl that they had. Um, And now, you know, being in England, I was in the north, I'm in the south, and, you know, people, matter of fact, I met someone the other day, you sound like you have a little bit of the southern, I said, yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, I'm I'm kind of messed up. But but my parents uh, did send me to the public school. Uh, when I was there and uh, then when they came back to America we went back to the Christian school and but you know it's parents who need to send their kids to the public school need to be aware and I'm sure you are of of how you need to help your kids out with that again the responsibility lies with the parent to oversee their children's education and biblical learning In this case, knowing that the public education system is actively attempting to undermine Christian principles. If you don't understand the public school, and I'm not trying to be mean to the public school. I mentioned my mom. She's taught there for years. But the the goal of the government schools is not to instill Christian principles. Um, It's very important that, uh, you know, it was David Barton that was here not too long ago, mentioned the importance of boards. Public school boards. Uh, that's why when we had the elections here, I, that's one of the things I checked. The boards and made sure I voted for those on the school board for our public schools in this area, that they, uh, ones that would be for, you know, biblical uh, principles. Uh, very key to get those in place. And David Barton mentioned we've had a lot of success over the, across the country of getting the right people on school boards to help out with a lot of the crazy stuff that's, of indoctrination of different things, but you have to be aware of those things. I've, I've heard all, you know, you read on the news all these crazy things where, you know, they have a bathroom for guys and girls to go to, and you know, all these d- 
things that are taking place. Now you got to worry about, you know, they, they can't get their pronouns uh, correct. You know, you, you see a person, you don't know if they're they, him, her, or it, or whatever they want to use. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's getting great. So the value of Christian education support. One thing I'd recommend to you on the value of Christian education, there's a lot of these booklets that are out there um, by Paul Chapel. Um, Striving Together Ministries, if you haven't heard of that, he puts out these booklets. They're only about $1.50, very inexpensive. This one here, that I have, uh, he has several, I've got a couple here. This is one on uh, what the Bible says about marriage and uh, same-sex marriage, discusses that. That's a great one. Here's one on the biblical sanctity of life. Uh, what does the Bible say about abortion? This is the one about education. Uh, the value of Christian education. And this is a great one, just a short read. A couple things it addresses, has three main sections. Uh, the weighty responsibility. You need to understand, again, parents, it's your responsibility for Christian education. It's a weighty responsibility, and it covers that. You know, if you're a young person and you don't have a family yet, so you need to decide, what are you going to do with your children? Do you just wait till you have a child? Oh, I can't afford it. What do I do? You have to make that decision before, uh, the second point here is the risk of public education. Again, it's things you have to be aware of. And then thirdly, the role of the church in Christian education. A lot of things I'm sharing with you does come from Dr. Paul Chapel, a pastor there at Lancaster Baptist Church um, there in California. As far as Front Range Baptist Academy, obviously we're not a perfect school. But we're a school that we, are, we have teachers that love God, teachers that are going to encourage your, your young people in every subject to, from a Christian principle and worldview. Um, we're, going to te- we're going to partner with parents to help you uh, raise your children for right. And um, I thought I'd share with you um, here the mission. You know, a lot of people, what is the mission of Front Range Baptist Academy? Well, uh, when I first got here, the mission was like a full paragraph, and nobody could remember the mission. And so one of the things that we did, uh, we, we uh, um, became accredited through the American Association of Christian School about five years ago. That was one thing they said, hey, you need to shorten your mission. I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I think we'll do that. So our mission here, real easy, uh, committed to provide academic excellence with a caring faculty in a safe environment while glorifying God. And who doesn't want that for their child or their grandchild? That's what we want to accomplish here at Front Range Baptist Academy. So the answer here, what is the church role in education? I'm going to give you three quick things and we'll be done. Number one, to teach the principles of God's word to teach the principles of God's word. God has given the local church the responsibility of teaching his word to all, not just to adults, but to the young people as well. So the church, that's why we have a ministry for Front Range Baptist Academy. That's why we have a Sunday school program here to help educate your children. We have godly Sunday school teachers here. Um, We have for adults as well. But it's a vital part in getting the word of God into our children. More than a child needs uh, academic education, more than that, he needs to understand the principles of God's word that will help him navigate through life successfully. Through a Christian 
education, he can learn both. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You read that again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What we see here is the goal of Christian education is to help young people develop the mind of Christ. And so that's what we want to do. We want to get the word of God in them. Fortunately, humanistic educators today, again, that's the majority of public education, not all, but the majority of public education today would have us believe that academic learning and spiritual truths are incompatible. Public education attempts to relegate anything religious out of the classroom. Can't be there. What's disturbing is while they're removing the Bible and anything religious out of the classroom, I read recently, uh, this actually happened in a couple of different public schools across our country, satanic clubs have been hosted on public school grounds and they've been soliciting young elementary kids to junior high to go to these clubs without parent consent, without parents even knowing about it. Again, I know that's an extreme, but these are some of the things that are happening out there that are very disturbing. That's why it's important. You've got to be aware of what's going on uh, in, in your school, whether it's Christian whether it's public, whether it's charter, whatever, any of the type of school that it is, you need to be aware of these things. Uh, Christian education reinforces the relevancy of truth in all areas of life as it interwines with God's word in learning. And Christian teachers can do that. Uh, Ray Moore, a man by the name of Ray Moore, he was a retired chaplain from the U.S. Army. He is the co-founder of Frontline Ministries. He launched a project called Exodus Mandate, which focuses on prayer, revival, and Christian education. Listen to what he had to say. Education is not religiously neutral. Moore also stated, it is either based on sound biblical truth or it is based on secular foundation. To build sound Christian educational program, the foundation for that program must be a biblical worldview. That's why uh, having a biblical worldview is so important. We mentioned that earlier. In our school, we have a biblical worldview class. Uh, in our Bible classes, we intermingle biblical worldview so that students uh, can see the things that are going on in the world today through a through the Bible, through the lens of the Bible, and no truth. Very important. He goes on to say, to build a sound Christian educational program uh, must have a biblical review, and a biblical review should always cause a person to search the scriptures and to ask, what does this Bible say about that issue? What does God want me to do? And that's in everything. Uh, Moore was also executive producer for the film indoctrination, public schools, and the decline of Christianity in America. Here's what he had to say in that video. We're losing our children because of the extreme indoctrination going on. We have LGBT teachings now in the schools, evolution, and so forth. 
You can't teach intelligent design or creation. They're doing a revisionist form of American history. They're not even learning basic uh, education anymore in a lot of our public schools. It's so true. They're, they're wanting to change history. Uh, they're what uh, critical race. You've heard of that uh, being taught. Um, George, example of that, George Washington. A lot of, pub, a lot of uh, public school textbooks are very critical of George Washington, one of our founding presidents. You know, he, was a, he was a racist, he was a slave owner, and anybody who was a founding father, they were slave owners, and they're all just terrible people. Um, but the truth is, is just the opposite. Uh, anybody, if you've ever been to Mount Vernon, has anybody been to Mount Vernon? A few of you out there at Mount Vernon. I'd say go to Mount Vernon, and it's just a, you know, it's the home of George Washington. You can see his, where he's, his gravestone, where he's, where he's buried. Not far from his grave, he's got family members also buried on the site. Uh, he has a place where a lot of his, his slaves were buried there, and he freed his slaves. Um, they're just not giving the right story of our, even our founders. Um, James Dobson, many of you heard of him, the author and psychologist who hosts a popular radio program, Family Talk, uh, and is considered an influential evangelical leader in America, uh, stationed for a good long while, stationed right out of here in Colorado Springs. Uh, Here's what he had to say about this topic. Today, uh, public schools don't offer much in the way of value education. And if they do, it's often wrong. Particularly today, so much of what goes on in public schools is really harmful. Again, you got to be aware of it. Number two, we're almost done. Number two and three will be, uh, we'll get through this a lot quicker. Number two, not only do we have teach to teach Christ, uh, we need to teach Christ-centered academics. As Christians, we want our children to make Christ the very center of their lives and to align every other area to him and the principles in his word. Secular institutions can impart a degree of understanding in science, math, and English, and even history, but they cannot without God. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Only Christian education will point children to an awareness of God's presence and of our accountability to him as we assimilate and use knowledge. And so we need to teach Christ-centered education. And then number three, we'll be done. Number three, to cultivate hearts for God. That's the role of the church, to cultivate, for Christian education, to cultivate hearts for God. We simply can't stop short by only educating minds. We must reach the hearts for God. I was looking at some stats here recently, and I was reading this article, and I was thinking, surely this can't be right. In Christian Home, this survey was done in 2018, so it was a couple years old, but it, it, did a, it was a survey on Christian families on how many either homeschool or send their children to uh, Christian school or to public school. And it mentioned that 90% of Christian families send their kids to public school. 90%. Now, that seems a little high to me. It doesn't seem right. But that's, there's, a, there's a high number that's in there. And that's why that's the case. We need to be aware of the risks 
the things that are there. And uh, obviously look toward a Christian education. You know, sometimes what I hear is, oh, I can't send them to Christian school because it's too expensive. I, I can't spend this or I can't do that. And I, just I tell you, one thing I appreciate about Front Range Baptist Church, they value, we value Christian education so much that we have helped out people in need that, need, that are looking for Christian education, even at this academy. There's many of you even here that have donated and gave so others could come to a Christian school, and it's been just a huge blessing to see the Lord work in, in uh, many people's lives in that way. But we need to cultivate the hearts for God. Look at Ephesians 6.6. 6. Ephesians 6.6, 6, let me read that real quickly. It says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. There it is, from the heart. You know, we need to teach these kids. You know, I, I saw some other stats that have talked about um, children that are growing up in churches just like ours that are leaving the church. And what's interesting, when you look at the statistics of the number of people that are leaving, I think the number is um, between 40 and 50% of young people leaving. And that's a very sad stat to see. Um, and so what we need to do, obviously, is, you know, be sure that our children are reached to the heart. That's the goal of Christian education and the Christian school to do that. And homeschool, if you, if you choose to do that, we need to aim, aim at their heart so that when they leave our homes, that they stay in the church. You know, my, I mentioned my oldest daughter. She, uh, is... Look, she's in, has a degree in office management and Christian education, and she's looking to be on the mission field. And uh, I, one of the things as parents, you know, we, and I had somebody tell me this a long time ago that, you know, gave me great advice. A pa- older pastor said, Tim, when you have your children, when, they, when the Lord use them, don't try to get in their way of where the Lord will have them. I remember meeting a, this pastor that I worked with years ago, and he, I couldn't believe he told me this. His daughter was, going to college, was getting ready to go to college, and she wanted to be um, in the Christian school ministry. And, and he told her, this is a pastor, said, no, you don't need to do that. You need to get into something else because you need to get something that pays you a lot more money than, than in ministry. And you see people, uh, parents and even... Well, I have a daughter that's looking to go into potentially the mission field. And obviously, you know, that means I'm probably not going to see her as much uh, when you, you think down the road. But I want the Lord's will for her life wherever it should take her. And that ought to be because we want their heart to be aimed. And I'm so encouraged, you know, I, you know, I pray for each one of my kids that the Lord would use them. And I know you do for your own kids as well. And that what they are taught uh, here at our church and our academy will stick. And then when they leave here, they will stay, stay uh, true to, to God's word. And one of the things we can't be discouraged about, because a lot of people will say this to you. Oh, you look at all you know, these kids that have, you know, whether they've left Front Range Baptist Academy, graduated on from here, and they've got into this, and they've, maybe they've left the Lord, and they're, on, they're living a bad lifestyle. 
And the first thing, they try to point finger at the church or the school. Well, you could focus on that, the ones that are doing it. But remember, God gave everybody a free will. I try to, you know, I look at all the ones that have graduated from here that are serving the Lord and doing right. And I thank the Lord for that. We have a number of graduates from our academy that are net, they're graduates in our church. They have their children in our school. And some have even had their children even graduate from the academy. And I'm encouraged by that to see what the Lord is doing. We need to aim at their heart. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That first part of the verse, where, again, that's where as parents, where are you sending your kids to receive the counsel? Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let me conclude uh, with this. read this online article titled, Students Abandoning Faith. We talked about that a moment ago. Students Abandoning Their Faith. Why it happens and what we can do. So that's the title of the article. Students Abandoning Faith, Why It Happens and What We Can Do. It was published by Summit Ministries. Those not familiar with Summit Ministries, it's a uh, ministry out of Colorado Springs. Uh, it's a Christian organization that puts out uh, textbooks, to Christian schools, churches, and address worldview. Our school has used that curriculum for years. In that article, it urges Christians to understand that the battle for the hearts and minds of students, it goes on to say that it is essential to equip students with a biblical worldview to explain God's truth in areas, listen to this, from philosophy to science, from economics to politics, and more. This not only enables them to understand how to think and reason from biblical principles and apply them to every area of life. It enables students to discern whether college professors may present an anti-biblical bias and to explain that to their peers. That's what it enables them. We've had graduates. I uh, teach the Bible class for the 11th, 12th grade. And one of the things I mention to them before they graduate, I, uh, as we talk about some of these things here, I said, some of you, you know, Lord may lead you to a Christian college. Some may lead you to a state college. Some may lead you to um, another type. Or may, maybe you'll join the mili- be in the military or whatever the Lord may take you. But if those who may go to a state college, you better be prepared because they are going to be professors that are going to attack your faith. And I, and I kind of give them heads up, kind of give them some pointers on how to handle that. And I've had a number of them come back, Mr. Boggs, you are right. I said, I'm overhearing CSU. And I'm, you know, this professor, they will ridicule, they've, um, not just CSU, but even other places where um, the things that uh, will be said and having being grounded in their faith is important. The education that you have for your children or grandchildren is very important. And so we must um, give them a good worldview.
And so, in conclusion, the role of the church in Christian education, three things, to teach the principles of God's word, to teach Christ-centered academics, and then thirdly, to cultivate the heart for God. If we can do that, the Lord will bless uh, Front Range Baptist Church. All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and close in prayer, and then we'll look at our prayer sheet. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, and see the, the value of Christian education. And for us to understand that the role of education for our children and even grandchildren rest on uh, the parents. As they make their choices, Lord, Lord, that you would bless their investment that they have in it. Uh, bless us as we leave today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.